Don't Miss a Beat is a podcast series brought to you by the law firm of Saul Ewing that covers views from diverse constituencies within the food, beverage, and agribusiness, also known as FBA, sector. Hosted by Jonathan Havens and Kermit Nash, co-chairs of the firm's FBA group, episode guests offer various perspectives on a variety of legal, policy, and industry developments, day-to-day FBA issues, best practices, and the road ahead. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of our Food, Beverage, and Agribusiness podcast series, Don't Miss a Beat. My name is Jonathan Havens, and I am the co-chair of both Saul Ewing's Food, Beverage, and Agribusiness practice, as well as the firm's cannabis law practice, and I'm based in our Baltimore and Washington, D.C. offices. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Doug Saltis, who is chef and owner of Andres Taverna and owner of Eat Well Hospitality. Doug is a Michelin star chef and restaurateur with more than 20 years of experience running some of the country's most esteemed establishments. His expertise and insight into restaurant concept development, along with front and back of house operations, has made him a much sought after specialist globally. Doug, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. I've enjoyed getting to know you in the run up to this recording. Your story is really an interesting one. And I should add, I had an incredible meal when I was at Andros last summer and uh, really appreciate what you all are doing there. Would you mind sharing with our listeners your background? Yeah, so I I grew up in a Greek household. My grandfather had a diner in Queens. The only work I ever did were in restaurants, if it was a bagel shop, a pizza shop, or hanging around my grandfather's diner as a kid. Always dreamed of going to culinary school, but worked my way through some great restaurants on the East Coast, especially in New York City, for most of my, uh, my life and great training and culinary experience with some of the best chefs in the world. We achieved Michelin stars, New York Times, four stars, three stars, opened all these different restaurants. And I had this light bulb moment around 35, 36, when I, you know, I thought I could take on the world and open my own restaurant and realized that there was, I had so much more to learn. At that point, I had the opportunity to work with Rich Melman of Let Us Entertain You in Chicago and really uh, start off by some creating one restaurant with him. The first one went well over 12 years. We opened up 21 different concepts, 21 different restaurants, some of the same concept. And right before COVID, as I was around 45, 46, I really wanted to focus on the next chapter of my life and do things and start a small company with my wife. And as things were unfolding around COVID, it was just more and more important and paramount for us to focus on a lot less that meant a lot more. In February 2021, we opened up Andros Taverna in Logan Square in Chicago. And it's been extremely, uh, extremely fun. It's been motivating. It's been really everything we thought it could be. We're, we're working on a second project right now that will open up this February. And we're staying to our little ethos of a lot less that means a lot more. That's great. And I, I love the I love that you're doing this with your wife. That's that's certainly special. So you talked about Andros and, and I talked about that at the top of the show and how much of a fan of the restaurant I am. Can you tell our listeners who haven't been there yet a bit more about the concept there? Yeah. So you know I worked in as I touched on, I worked in some great restaurants and with the chefs in New York City and, and in the nineties, all the ingredients were really crazy and exotic and so intimidating and I, and I overlooked or looked down upon the ingredients I grew up eating, just basic 
you know, Provencal or Mediterranean vegetables and fresh cheeses. Now, when I started working with uh, Alain Ducasse, one of the best chefs in the world, I recognized that the pantry in that restaurant was very similar to what I grew up with. And they spent a lot of time focusing on the best quality possible. Over time, I created a lot of different restaurants. I always thought it could be fun if it was a Greek one or a Greek restaurant to serve this youthfulness and light and lightness. I thought there was a lot of great Greek restaurants that we grew up with that were tavernas and they were kind of were a little bit Epcot Center view of just Mykonos and Santorini. And then there was the, and those were kind of like your Euro shops or simple tavernas. And then there was the pinnacle of Milos, which is uh, such a, uh, an amazing restaurant that I've always been in awe of that it is at a, almost a unreachable price point for a lot of people. So when I think about Andros for us, it was just to create a very affordable restaurant, a healthy restaurant, and to shine the light on Greek food and Greek cuisine that I grew up eating in those flavors in a setting that's more reminiscent of Athens, Greece, or Astoria, Queens, and kind of the, that's always been the center of cosmopolitan behavior, metropolitan lifestyle for thousands of years, as opposed to just that cityscape. So we have a, a very youthful, urbanish uh, restaurant, open air. We fly our fish in from the best markets in Greece. We cook our fish whole, we clean it table side. We have amazing meats, but our vegetables and salads really uh, are the stars of our show. Yeah, I can attest on the salad front. We actually finished our meal with a watermelon and feta salad. Um, oh yeah. Better, better than any dessert I could have imagined, right? Not to say that the desserts aren't great as well. I think we had some of those as well. I want to say maybe frozen yogurt, the Greek frozen yogurt, but yeah, finishing with the watermelon feta salad was, was uh, couldn't imagine a better way to finish the meal. Um, so just want to switch gears for a second. You know, look, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I always like to ask folks in your space about supply chain and labor challenges in the food and beverage world. Obviously, COVID has had and continues to have a huge impact, but then there's just general supply chain issues and labor issues that linger. Can you talk a little bit about how these have affected Eat Well and how you've navigated the challenges? Yeah, the supply chain challenges, we've done pretty good to kind of uh, work through that. Some of it has taught us some patience and some understanding. I think there was this mentality in the past where if like, you know, your produce truck is late, just call call your produce guy and, you know, just yell at him. And then it's then, then I think we realized one of the things during COVID is that we're all in this together, right? They have problems, we have problems. How can we work through this? How can we better understand? How can we, you know, make some changes, right? We're fortunate, as I mentioned, you know, we work directly with small farms that have not been that interrupted. So that's been okay for us. Some of the things like furniture, you just might take 15 weeks instead of five. It might take 30 weeks instead of 10. But we've learned a lot of patience through that. As far as for the labor challenges, you know, we were fortunate. We were able to build a restaurant and a small company with an ethos that I believe is healthier and more relevant today than some of the older companies that are dragging around their 1980s or 1990s culture and these big broad restaurants. It's very important for my wife and I to take care of our employees and as that they are our partners, just like our purveyors. So we've tried to create the best working environment possible. We focus on efficiencies when creating our restaurant. So our staff works with ease, works on efficiency so we can minimize the amount the staff needed for us to operate. 
and then we try to be the best employer possible. That's great. Yep. And it's, uh, it certainly shines through. Can you tell us about your future plans for Eat Well Hospitality? You know, what do you envision as the next big thing for the group over the next year or two or longer than that, if you'd like to address that? Yeah, I, I think for our team, the most important thing we want to do is continue to build our foundation. Andros has been very rewarding and very inspiring for us. We have a great team and our goal is to continue to do heritage projects. Our goals are creating partnerships with growth for our employees. And we have one other concept we're playing with that again would be a great heritage project that will be nice and small so we can manage it and continue to grow our foundation and the strength of our team. So if there are some great opportunities over the next couple of years, we're ready to take advantage of them. That all sounds great. For any aspiring chefs or restaurateurs out there, what, what advice would you give them? I, I guess said differently, if you could talk to yourself 20 years ago when you were just getting started, what would you say? You know, if I could talk to myself 20 years ago, well, I, I guess it took me 10 years of that time or maybe eight years of that time to wake up and realize there's so much more to learn. You know, the idea of the race that I need to have my own place, I need to have my own dishes on the menu, I need to be, you know, creating, creating, and creating is really fantastic. And that is a desire for a lot of people. But I think the need to be financially solvent, having understanding how to make money, having understanding how to run a business, really. You know, whoever cooks the best scallop and chooses their vegetable for it is fantastic. That's really an amazing thing to focus on. But how do you really run a business? How do you make money with the scallops? How do you take care of your staff? Because the one thing I've learned over time is if you can't make money, you take it out on your employees, you take it out on your purveyors, you take it out on your guests. So the money we're able to make allows us to pay our purveyors properly, pay our staff properly, and provide great products for our guests. So I think that's the real reward. And I, I find that's, we double down on that and we see the benefits of it daily. Yeah, that all makes sense. And I think that's great advice. So uh, uh, Doug, I told you it was going to be quick. Appreciate your time. We know how much you have going on. Just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate your time. I'm certainly looking forward to uh, my next visit to Andros and to all of your other amazing concepts that you're developing the next time I'm in town. I learned a lot today. I learned a lot with all of our guest conversations, and today was certainly no exception. To our audience members, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you will uh, catch us on a future episode of Don't Miss a Beat. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Don't Miss a Beat. Please be sure to subscribe to hear more podcast episodes related to developments in the food, beverage, and agriculture industry. 